and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. This is Penny Sansberry and Amy Cornell. And today we are talking about essentially wanting to be all things to all people, in particular for you nonfiction authors. And it's, it's real, you know, I don't even really know where to start with this because it's really become kind of an issue where in particular, nonfiction authors want to appeal to every single market demographic out there. Yeah, absolutely. We, we do, we do hear that a lot when authors come to us with nonfiction titles and we get it. You know, if you have something to say and you have knowledge to share and experience to share, I understand where that comes from. You know, you imagine that what you have to say or what you have to share can work for so many different kinds of people. Yeah. But that's so hard to do with a real with an actual marketing strategy, especially you know online. With how much is done online now, you have to be much more concise and much more specific. Well, but the other piece of it, though, too, is is that we kind of live in a world now where everybody needs to be invited to the party, right? But some parties aren't really right for everybody, and. Books are kind of the same way. I think personally that you, you know, and and I actually, let me just say by full disclosure, I kind of did this with my very first book. So a million years ago, I wrote a book called Get Published Today. And the first book I wrote for everybody who has a book in them, right? But essentially Get Published Today was really about the growth of, the indie publishing market, which at the time, print on demand was a very new way of publishing. Okay. So I said, this book is going to be for everybody who wants to publish. What I misunderstood about the market is that there is a there are a lot of authors out there who really do want to get a traditional publisher. And look, 22 years ago, that we had more publishers and more literary agents, and there were a lot more opportunities for authors to get a traditional publishing agreement. This book was very specific to the independent publishing market, which at the time we sort of had, but we did not to the degree that we do now. So the first time that I put that book out there, it really did not do well. I mean, I did a lot of speaking around it because there were a lot of authors who were really interested. And as I got out onto the conference circuit, I realized that the market for this book while it's not necessarily a niche market, is very specific. So when I re-released the book, I was very clear on who this book was for, what it was about, and I got away from appealing to every single person who had a book in them, which was essentially wrong because the book didn't appeal to all those people. That's a very good point. I like that example. See, Penny actually lives it, you guys. That was a painful, that was a painful lesson because I was very, I was like, oh, this is just going to be awesome. But I think the piece of it too, and Amy has talked about this before, is that nobody wants, I mean, the Get Published Today example is probably not the best example to lead into this. But when you have a nonfiction book and you say that the book is for everybody, you really have to ask yourself, is it really for everybody? Because nobody wants leftovers or to feel like 
an afterthought. People really want, we want things the way that we want them, right? Most people, if you go into Starbucks, don't just order a regular cup of coffee. Their requests are sometimes even confusing for the baristas. We want things the way that we want them. And we want books that appeal to our specific needs. And I think that's really at the heart of it. Trying to make nonfiction too inclusive is where authors kind of stumble. Absolutely. You know, consumers are much smarter than some authors give them credit for. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why we want to talk about this because typically when somebody writes a book, they don't necessarily write it for everyone. They write about what they know, right, Penny? They write about their area of expertise. They write about what they learned from their experience, something like that. So there is something very specific that drives the writing and creation and production of that book. But then when it's time to decide who to market it to, who to sell it to, who can use it, that's when they kind of the snowball effect of like, well, everybody can use this. Like it's, you know, I went through something that everybody can learn from, but the reality is that you just can't throw it at everybody. This one packaged item isn't going to work for everybody in the same way. And that's where strategic branding comes in. You know, there are ways to reuse your ideas and it doesn't even have to be that dramatic you know, the changes don't have to be that dramatic, but you really have to repackage your ideas in ways that make people feel like you understand their situation, their needs, you know, their goals, you know, and different demographics are going to have different variations of that. And like Penny said, you know, if you just try to say like, no, this will work for everybody, their immediate reaction, the psychology behind that as a buyer is that like, well, they're obviously not paying attention to what I really need. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you may say that, well, but then at least I've sold a book. So I've had authors say to me, well, but at least I sold a book. Absolutely. You have sold one book to that person who will never buy another book from you again. 95% of books are sold word of mouth. So, you know, Conversely, if you had sold this book to somebody who was like, oh my gosh, this book was written for me. I love this book. You know, I'm telling, you know, 50 people or I'm posting it on social media. And that's a much better, that's a much better driver for book sales. Let me give you an example of something. So a bunch of years ago, I talked to this author and she wrote a book about selling your selling your first home, right? And that's not the exact title, but she wrote a book called, you know, that was about selling your first home. And she really wanted this book to appeal to everybody. But selling your first home or buying your first home, right? Those are different. Everybody, like your your needs, if you are a single woman, are going to be different than if you are a young family or than if you are a, you know, if you are retiring, you know, why are you selling this home? Are you moving to Florida? Are you moving? You know what I mean? Are you downsizing? What are you doing? So what she did is she read, rewrote the book. Well, she actually really even rewrote it. She rewrote it, excuse me. She added sections that would appeal to the different market demographics. So selling your first home or again, buying your first home, because I think she did both for Christians, for singles, for 
newly married couples, for young families, for retirees, and on and on and on and on and on. So she created this kind of empire of books that were catering to these specific markets that had these specific needs. And she had been in the real estate market long enough to know exactly what they were and to pinpoint it. And the books actually did very, very well for her. They didn't require a lot of changes because there are, if you've ever bought or sold a home, you know, obviously it varies from state to state, but there are specific things that never change. But then there are variables that she addressed in this book and did so brilliantly. And, you know, if you look at like, for example, the chicken soup empire, right? So sometimes people laugh and they say, well, there's chicken soup for everything. Well, there's a reason for that. There's chicken (laughs) soup, the equestrian soul, chicken soup for, you know, the bird lover's soul, chicken soup for the plant. (laughs) I mean, maybe he's laughing because we have we have this obsession with birds here. The plant lover soul, I mean, whatever that is, right? Chicken soup for new moms. What they did was build an empire by creating books that were that met individual needs, as opposed to saying, here's one chicken soup book, enjoy it, hope you find something in there that you like. They really zeroed in and catered to these different market demographics. And when you think of the chicken soup brand, I mean, I only have to say chicken soup and people probably aren't thinking of Campbell's. They're thinking of the books because they're just that big. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. It's kind of like the, the love languages brand. Yes. Yes. They've done love languages for everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey, love and hate and whatever. He's also made a ton of money on repurposing essentially his methods, his approach to personal finance. But as you said, you know, he managed to find ways to tailor it to specific markets. So they really felt like their needs were being met because if you're expecting your readers to put in the extra effort to fit themselves into your mold, that's not going to happen. Absolutely. Um, You know, you really need to rebrand appropriately. And like Penny said, it's a few chapters here or there. Maybe you change up the intro a little bit. You know, you can also, your covers, for example, you you have to think about that as well, like different cover imagery and different approaches to how the actual, your book is sold and how it appears to the market um, can be very different depending on the demographic. And then, you know, there's also pitching in media, right, Penny? Yes, absolutely. And I think that you, the more that you can zero in on the specific needs of your market. And I'm not necessarily suggesting everybody listening, everybody that says nonfiction listening to this podcast is like, oh my gosh, now I have to create 20 (laughs) different editions of my book. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is find a market. So Dan Pointer, who is a publishing guru and died a bunch of years ago, talked about it as the pond, right? Own the pond that you're in but don't try to borrow somebody else's pond. And that's where (laughs) a lot of times, right, authors trying to be too inclusive come in. I mean, we see this in children's books. We see this in all kinds of variables where they say this, I mean, Amy, you cited an example one time where somebody told you that a children's book would work for a two-year-old as well as 12-year-old. 
Right. Their age range was two to 12. And it's like, I don't know if you have kids, but you know, my nine-year-old wouldn't be interested in a book that was written for a two-year-old. So you're overreaching and you're not making any sales at that point because those parents do not feel like you really get what they're looking for. Right. Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. And to the, to the media point, which I, I, got a little bit sidetracked. I know how shocked, how shocking <laughs> that I got sidetracked to the media point about going after specific opportunities. You will have much more success. The more focused, the more you zero in on exactly who your market is. Again, a lot of times books that are too general in their approach also have pitches that tend to be very general. And Yes, in some cases that can work, but most of the time the media isn't going to find that very interesting. So it's also too just about zeroing in on who actually is your market. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, being very focused and because it is going to change up your right, it's going to change up your cover. Mm-hmm. It's going to, you know, it's going to it's going to impact absolutely everything that has to do with your book when you aren't trying to be, you know, when you aren't trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, absolutely. They, you have to think about it this way. When you are pitching either a thought leader, whether it's online or you're pitching a major news publication or a lifestyle magazine, they all have demographics. Even if the ones that seem like their general audience, I guarantee you they pay attention to their demographics. Yeah. And so if you give them a general pitch, my book is for everybody. They're going to go, okay, well, you know, our people isn't everybody and they will immediately move on. And so that also goes along with your competition. Can y'all hear our sound tech? Our sound team is speaking. They, they have some input. Maybe we should I, yeah, yeah, I apologize. They're not no, awesome. Don't apologize. I love, I love it when we hear from them. But you have more competition than you realize also, you know, so saying your book is for everyone might sound like a great way to pull in extra sales, but the reality is you have competition that are topping the charts that are taking a much more direct approach saying they're for a specific audience, you know, so people are drawn to resources that they resonate with. And it's hard to achieve that if you just think you can make everybody happy. So if you look at what's topping the charts, if you look at the bestsellers, I guarantee they are not necessarily saying they're for everybody. They have figured out who their market is and they tailor their their marketing, their messaging, all of that to that market. So to Penny's point earlier, we're not saying that if you wrote nonfiction, now you have to go out and make 10 other versions. But we are saying that if you feel very strongly that you have the knowledge, the tips, the recommendations, the experience that is applicable to many different market demographics, and you want to capitalize on that, you will have to create different products for those market demographics if you really want to be successful doing that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that if you're listening to this and you think, oh, you know, I wonder if that's been, you know, if that's kind of been my issue. Um, one of the things that I did with Get Published Today was I completely repackaged that book. So I repackaged it and I re-released it. Now, if the if if the idea, like the real estate author that I mentioned, if that has sparked some ideas, you think, oh my gosh, I could create custom editions. You could most definitely repackage your books for different audiences 
that you feel that you have a real chance with. I mean, I'm in the middle of rewriting how to sell books by the truckload. And I, I'm going to say this and Amy's probably going to scream, but I've been thinking about, you know, maybe it's time to create how to sell books for the truckload by the truckload for fiction authors and how to sell books by the truckload for nonfiction. Because if you're reading through these, so the more custom these books get, the more you feel like, okay, this book is exactly for me. Because I imagine as they're reading through, you know, if you've picked up the book, you know what I'm talking about. As you're reading through this and you're like, okay, well, this is the fiction chapter, I guess, should I skip it? Should I, you know, should I leave, you know, should I read it? I don't know if there's something she's going to say, something in here that could impact me. Um, It's really just about also saving your reader some, some time and getting you know, getting to the heart and getting to the point. So creating covers for each audience, repackaging the books for di- for different audiences, if you feel like you have the opportunity to do that with your book. Right. And we, I kind of touched on intros earlier. That's a really simple way yeah. to make sure, uh, Penny, you wrote about this recently about you know, the first lines of your book, the first lines of your book description, how important that very first few minutes essentially are, you know, with your reader. So it's amazing what you can accomplish by by customizing at minimum the introduction so the person feels like you really understand why they picked up your book and who mm-hmm. they are. Um, and Penny, you mentioned examples. I think that was brilliant. The the woman with the real estate books, you know, yeah. making sure that she went in and any examples or situations that you, you know, kind of using your book to, to set up, you know, what you have to say, make sure that those really read appropriately for that specific market that you're looking to go after with that edition of your book. That makes such a huge difference. Yeah. I agree with that completely. I think that the examples that you cite in non in your nonfiction book can absolutely make or break the book for sure. And I've actually had people read through my books and make suggestions. And this is why on previous podcasts, I said, listen, if you've read Truckload, because I'm in the middle of revising it and you have some suggestions, send them my way. But the examples that you cite are really important because they they need to they need to resonate with your reader. Absolutely. Um I think also, you know, after the book is published creating targeted blurbs, elevator pitches, we're going to do a show on elevator pitches. We've had a call out for your elevator pitch and descriptions for each market. And you know, it's interesting because we talk a lot about your Amazon book page and creating a great write-up and this is really where the rubber meets the road right if you if somebody reads the book description on amazon said oh my gosh this book is for me i can almost guarantee you they are probably going to know five or ten other people that the book would resonate with um so it's not about excluding people but it's really about broadening you know your your market in the right way yeah Absolutely. And I think the last part, at least that I want to touch on, because I know this gets very tricky for authors and I get it, uh, what to do about your website and your online platform, even social media accounts. You know, Penny, when you have different demographics, it's like, which ones can all live together harmoniously? And when do you have to like cut the cord and create essentially a separate, you know, sort of platform? A lot of times if you're sticking to the same topic, but you have 
different editions for different demographics, but say, you know, like we've used a few different examples, whether it's real estate or personal finance, you know, as long as you're really sticking to the same core topic, I think it's safe to say that you can easily manage all of those with a single website. Um, it really depends on, I think, social media. I would, I would chat with somebody. I would encourage you to get coaching and get, do some consulting about what the, really the best, cause I don't think that's as simple, you know, to say yeah, one way true. or the other. Yeah. But I think with the website, you know, this just enhances the experience for your different markets. Consider doing a drop down menu for your books, for your different editions. I think that's a great way to handle it. So mm-hmm. personal finance for couples, personal finance for young families, for retirees, whatever it is, give them their own dedicated page for that book on your website. And again, that's just another opportunity to really customize and personalize that demographics experience with your brand by giving them a page that is really dedicated to calling out, you know, the fact that you understand their needs, their goals, what they're looking for, how you can help them, things like that. So don't miss out on that, that website opportunity as well to, to further refine, you know, your different markets and how you can potentially sell to different people in a really effective way. Yeah, because I think that there is, there's, you know, there was a, there's a book that we worked with a bunch of years ago called Riches in the Niches, Niches, actually. Um, I know it's pronounced a couple different ways. The, The whole premise of the book was that the more that you can narrow your focus, the more that you can zero in on the, you know, the needs of the market the better that you will do, the better that your, you know, the better that your book will do, the better that your career will do. And anything that we, you know, if you look at like the big brands that are out there, all of them cater to, could cater to specific needs and they don't deviate from that. And that's really where the success is. So if you want to, cause we have a, we have a, a, really, really great wedding book that we're working with right now. And the author wanted to put this wedding book out there on Amazon so that it was also for, um, you know, gay couples and heterosexual couples and kind of all the things. But each of these pockets, each of these market pockets, they all have different needs. So as opposed to creating something that was just, that felt a little bit too general to, I want to be all the things, creating offshoots of that, that really speak to those individual demographics. That's really where the gold is. And as we talked about, it creates in many times, I mean, you know, when you think about it, like, oh my gosh, it sounds so much like so much work. I have to create all these different editions, but really honestly, the tweaks in many cases can be very minor but can feel really impactful to your reader. I think that's such a smart move too, Penny. And I think a lot of you who haven't done this, but are considering it will be surprised at how much, and here I am, here's my rah-rah moment, but how motivated you're going to feel by flexing those muscles of knowledge that you have and coming up with the additional pieces that you can add for different markets. Because if you're really an expert in this topic or you've really gone through it and you really have knowledge and information to share, then I guarantee it's in you, you know? So it's really tapping into and making the most 
of what you have to offer also. Think of it that way, not as additional work necessarily, but as really making sure you're maximizing on everything you have to say to different kinds of demographics and different kinds of situations, because that's what really makes a topic expert, you know, or a thought leader. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I hope that I hope that this show has been helpful. We don't often do shows specific to either fiction or nonfiction. We're going to definitely start. We're going to take a little bit of our own advice and definitely start doing more of them. But we love your show ideas. So we'd love to know what you would like to hear more of, as well as we love reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. And as I mentioned, I am revising how to sell books by the truckload on Amazon. Would love your ideas. If you've read the book, hopefully you have. Love to know what you'd like to see more of, less of, or um, what you maybe want included that I didn't uh, that I didn't do. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Penny Sansevier and Amy Cornell, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.